Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath and hello las vegas and all peoples listening everywhere across the fruited plains around the world and outer space wherever you might be it's great to have you here with us you're listening to the frittle show on kvxl 101.1 fm experience liberty radio here in las vegas i am crystal heath or the Frittle. You can call me either one. That's why it's the Frittle Show, because Frittle's a nickname for Crystal and so on and so forth and what have you. Today, I am excited about this show. We have Charles Billingsley, and he is going to be with us for most of the hour. Uh, he's he's a graciously agreed to join us for an extended time here this morning, so we're going to get him on. Uh, in just a few minutes, he's going to be joining us. Uh, so let's just hit on a couple things here while we wait for him. First off, from USA Today, I woke up to this good news. Headline, Mets' Tim Tebow remains hot, has first multi-hit game. I mean, the first part of that headline, they can just they can just save that one. Because it will always be true. Mets, Tim Tebow remains hot. I mean, you have to drop the Mets and just keep Tim Tebow remains hot. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying. Uh, But he had his first multi-hit game with the Mets. Tim Tebow has his first multi-hit game of the spring for the New York Mets. Tebow batting seventh and playing right field collected hits in his first two at-bats on Wednesday against the Miami Marlins. The first was an opposite field grounder off left-hander Justin Nicolino that ate up Miami Marlins third baseman Derek Dietrich. The official scorer ruled it an infield single. The second came in the top of the fifth on a liner to center field off right-hander Stephen Fife. In his third at bat with runners on first and second, Tebow successfully moved the runners over by hitting the ball to the right side of the infield. Tebow now has three hits in his last six at bats. For the spring, he is three for 14 with four strikeouts. The former Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback now has more hits as touch now has more hits than touchdown passes he threw against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2012 AFC Wildcat. Okay, that's just hurtful. That's unnecessary. USA, t- you can take that part out. Jonathan, if you're listening, you could talk to your friends over on the sports page and, and get them to remove that. They don't need that part. Besides, he won. Okay? First ever uh, victory in overtime under new overtime rules was Tim Tebow. And I believe that was the game against the Steelers. So that part can just go away. That's just hurtful. On Monday, Tebow hit an opposite field single off Miami Marlins right-hander Kyle Loebstein to lead off the bottom of the fifth inning. It was his first hit after an 0-for-8 start. Tebow, who wasn't expected to be with the team, they thought he'd be over with the minor league guys, has remained with the Mets because they are short on players because of the World Baseball Classic and split squad games. So Tebow's hitting the baseball. Why is this news? Why is it news that anyone trying out for a baseball team is hitting the baseball? It's news because it's Tim Tebow. And it is relevant to us because, heads up people, we have the Mets AAA farm team in Las Vegas. The 51s are a Mets affiliate. 
And if Tim Tebow keeps hitting baseballs, Tim Tebow can come to Las Vegas and play for the 51s. And this would be epic on many levels. If you don't understand the many levels of epicness of Tim Tebow coming to Las Vegas, I probably can't help you and we may not be friends. It's not that I don't like you. Uh, We just apparently don't have anything in common. So, that's, that's all. That's all I have to say about that. Did you know that today is the birthday of the man we know as the father of the Constitution? This is from History.com. On this day in 1751, James Madison, drafter of the Constitution, recorder of the Constitutional Convention, author of the Federalist Papers, and the fourth president of the United States, I mean, talk about an accomplished individual, is born on a plantation in Virginia. Madison first distinguished himself as a student at the College of New Jersey, which is now Princeton University, where he successfully completed a four-year course of study in two years and, in 1769, helped found the American Whig Society, the second literary and debate society at Princeton and the world, to rival the previously established Cleosic Society. Madison returned to Virginia with intellectual accolades, but poor health in 1771. But by 1776, he was sufficiently recovered to serve for three years in the legislature of the new state of Virginia, where he came to know and admire Thomas Jefferson. In this capacity, he assisted with the drafting of the Virginia Declaration of Religious Freedom and the critical decision for Virginia to cede its western claims to the Continental Congress. Madison is best remembered for his critical role in the Constitutional Convention of 1787, where he presented the Virginia Plan to the assembled delegates in Philadelphia and oversaw the difficult process of negotiation and compromise that led to the drafting of the final Constitution. Madison's published notes on the convention are considered the most detailed and accurate account of what occurred in the closed-session debate. After the Constitution was submitted to the people for ratification, Madison collaborated with John Jay and Alexander Hamilton on the Federalist Papers, a series of pamphlets that argued for the acceptance of the new government. Madison also penned the most famous of the pamphlets, Federalist No. 10, which made an incisive argument for the ability of a large federation to preserve individual rights. He then went on to become president and then served uh, at the University of Virginia on the Board of Visitors and then as a rector. In 1938, the State Teachers College at Harrisburg, Virginia was renamed in Madison's honor as Madison College. And in 1976, it became James Madison University. So now you know a little bit more about James Madison. Today would be his birthday. Born 1751. If you think about it, it's not really that long ago. What is it? Like three, three lifetimes? Roughly, maybe four. So your grandparent, like if you if you lived, I saw somebody do this one time. It was really interesting. Like you're a seventy year old, and then a seventy year old, and then a seventy year old. You might need one more. It's only. It's only three to four people away from us. Is that not crazy? Because it's less than 300 years. That's remarkable when you think about it like that. How not far away we are from much of history right now. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, 
we are going to have Charles Billingsley here. Charles Billingsley is the worship pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's the, the, the church with Liberty University. He works with uh, Pastor Jonathan Falwell. And I am excited to have him here. I think you are really going to enjoy uh, this this next part of the show. He's going to be here pretty much for the rest of the program. Uh, so we're going to get right back here with Charles in just a minute. In the meantime, while I get him set up, let's uh, we're going to listen to uh, your fight song, from the piano guys with amazing grace don't go away and good morning everyone welcome to the program we have charles billingsley is here with us he was the lead vocalist for new song he has several records of his own he's an instructor at liberty university the worship pastor at thomas road baptist church he's got a daily radio program and he just came out with a new book called words on worship charles welcome to the program Hey, thanks, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so just reading that tiny portion of your vast resume basically makes me tired. <laughs> it made me tired. I didn't realize <laughs> I did all that. <laughs> it's fun, man. We have a good time. Got a lot going on, but I enjoy it that way. Yeah, this is fantastic. I get bored if I don't have too many irons in the fire. Sure, sure. But number one iron, obviously, is you're a dad. I didn't mention that, yeah. but your husband, father, so that's that's the top thing. But then I think what most people probably know you for is uh, is you're you're the worship pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church, and you're you're basically a celebrity in Christian musicdom. So uh, it's always a pleasure to have celebrities on the show. Just by the way, <laughs> well, you know, celebrity is kind of a relative term, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I'm huge in my among my family members. They all know me. Oh, yeah, but, sure. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's fun. I enjoy getting to do this. I enjoy the atmosphere of just being a part of leading a congregation to the throne. I enjoy leading people in worship on a daily basis wherever I'm at, and it's just an honor. And I'm so excited to be doing that here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Friday night, you're going to be at Southern Hills Baptist Church at 7 p.m. Uh, doing a worship concert, and I, that is just, I'm so looking forward to that. And it's St. Patrick's Day, so are you Irish? I'm going to have to ask that. Well, you know, I do have a little Irish in me, so you're right. I need to wear green to this concert. You I do. I completely forgot. Yes, and probably... I don't think I brought a green shirt. I need to, I need mm, to go find me a green shirt. We do, there, we... I know that we're still an up-and-coming city, but we do have some places where you could get a green shirt in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, the, I know that the shopping is kind of weak here. I think I'm probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I've never seen more malls on one street in my life. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. All right, so let's uh, let's get into some some meat here. Um, and we'll do, this is going to be really fun. What we're going to do is we're going to play some of Charles' music for you in between a couple different segments here. So uh, first off, this first segment, Charles, I want to talk with you. We'll get into um, your your new book and, and worship itself. But first, for this segment, I just want to tell us about you. Like, we've, we've never met before. I really don't know much about you. So what was it? Was it five-year-old little boy Charles? Were you dreaming of being a firefighter or was music always your thing? No, actually, music was never my thing. I, I was singing a song. I was goofing off in church one day. This is a true story. And I was the, uh, I guess I was a sophomore in high school. And uh, I was just kidding around during, you know, the, the music portion of the service. And I was singing real loud and kind of just being obnoxious. But the guy <laughs> behind me, he leans up and he goes, hey, man, you've got a good voice. You need to sing for our Sunday school class. 
and I was like, no way, because he was part of the youth group, and his job was to coordinate the singers. And the, our youth group had about 800 people in it. It was at first out of Jacksonville, oh, wow. Florida. And so singing in Sunday school meant singing for 800 of my peers, and so I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so in my life. So I promptly turned him down. But the next week he showed up with a with a cassette track in his hands. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what a cassette is, <laughs> it was a precursor to the CD, which is the precursor to downloads. But anyway, oh, okay. uh, he handed me a cassette track. Yeah, you may not have known that either, Chris. I just wanted to fill you in. No, no. But, uh, I also don't know what an 8-track is, but go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, he gave me this cassette track. He says, okay, you're on. Well, he handed it to me in front of a bunch of my football playing buddies and so then it became a dare, you know. Yep. And so I learned the song, and I decided to do it. And, uh, you know, it's the strangest thing. I just I got up there and started singing that song, and it felt completely natural. And wow. um, just felt like one of those deals. And so a couple of guys were in the back of the room, the music pastor of the church and a few things like that. And they asked me to sing for our choir, too, that was coming up with the youth group. And one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden by the next year I was singing all over my high school and all over town and you know and and that's really how the whole thing started it was on a, on a dare and on an accident <laughs> wow that's that's amazing god has a really good sense of humor i think so it, <laughs> you know there there always seems to be with people that are in any kind of artistic artistic industry the struggling artist phase did you go through that mm-hmm. at some point or were you just so awesome that you skipped that Chris, so I've always been going through that. That's a never-ending process. (laughs) Here's the thing I've learned as an artist. Things are never as good as you think they are, and things are never as bad as you think they are. Mm. The point is, what are you called to do? And I knew from halfway through college that I was called to do this. And so when I graduated, you know, I just kept trusting the Lord to just provide the people in my lives who could help me get going and do things and provide me a full calendar and you know it's funny because god's timing is always perfect i was always freaked out and it wasn't until the spring of my senior year when uh, a family came to me and offered to pay to 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 make a cd Mm. and they they basically helped me put all these songs i've been writing through college on tape and then i handed it to a local radio station one of the songs called the sparrow and that station played the song, and suddenly we just started getting phone calls. Yeah. Well, it was phone calls about the song. People weren't really asking me to come sing it. Sure. And so when I graduated, I told my girlfriend, who later became my wife, I said, well, I've only got four open dates this year, summer, spring, <laughs> winter, and fall. <laughs> and uh, other than that, I'm booked. And so I had one one concert on my calendar day after I graduated from college, and that was it. And yet, um, a week later, I got a call from a guy that asked me to come sing for a bunch of youth pastors, and and uh, from that week on, the Lord just filled my calendar for that year, and here I am now, May 24th of this year, my 25th year anniversary, Wow! and I've done over 3,200 concerts and been in over 2,000 churches, and you know, the Lord is just blessed, and it's just been an amazing, amazing run. And I, I have one deal with the Lord. As long as they keep calling, I'll keep going. There, when there they you stop go. stop calling, I'll, I'll do something else. 
Amen, brother. Amen. So, okay, I, I, I know this because, well, there's this really cool thing when you're in media where you can stalk people online and call it research <laughs> because you're doing, quote, sure. research. So yeah, I, uh, there's this one thing I want to ask you about, and then, we'll, and then we'll play one of your songs here, and then we'll get into worship. Okay. But I, I know at some point along your ministry career path, uh, something happened where you had to have vocal surgery. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was Tell a, us about uh, that. Well, that was a pretty traumatic experience because, yeah. you know, I've never known anything other than this. I don't really have any other skill set whatsoever. <laughs> so <laughs> I was... Uh, it's a good thing you're really good I, then. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I got to this point where suddenly I couldn't sing, I'll never forget those days. Oh. Uh, was, those were dark days because I didn't yeah. know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I, I went to four specialists and ended up having this laser surgery done on my throat. Wow. So were you, like, uh, questioning God at this point? Oh, totally. I, I was, you know, I was mad at God. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, here I am beating myself up on the road all over the country trying to sing your praises, and here now I have this. Yeah. But what the Lord taught me all over again was how to worship Him. Yeah. You know, and through the process, I realized, you know what? My voice is not my source. He is. Uh. Uh, he's the reason we sing. And he's, you know what? If I don't have a voice ever again, uh, will I worship him? Will I serve him? And yeah. you know what? I had to wrestle with the answer to that question. And I came to the conclusion after going through all that, yes, I will. And he gave me my voice back. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've had an anointing that has been stronger in my ministry ever since that day. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I want to talk with you about that worship that you that you mentioned when we get back. We're talking to Charles Billingsley. He's going to be doing a concert at Southern Hills Baptist Church at 7 p.m. this Friday night. What better way to spend your St. Patrick's Day? I mean, really. You, you can't think of one. Mm. So wear green. Come join us. Charles, why don't you, we're going to let you pick a song. Which one of your songs would you like us to play? And then we'll come back and talk about worship. Oh, goodness. Well, I tell you what, since we're talking about coming through all that dark valley, why don't we play this song on my new record called God is Good because God it is talks good. of those things. All right. We'll play God is Good, and then we'll be back in just a minute with Charles to talk about worship. Don't go away. All right, so welcome back. We are here with Charles Billingsley. That was God is Good from his new album. What is, what's the title of your new album? It's called Right Here. Right Here. And uh, your yeah, last one by Seth Mosley and Keith Everett Smith. Okay, and your last one was Only Jesus. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That one, which was a really fun record for us. Yeah, I love that one. I I, I haven't gotten the new one, but I love Only Jesus. Um, oh man! Well, I need to get you the new one, and we'll we'll get you some giveaways too after the concert. Yep. Yeah, actually, actually, I'm I'm one step ahead of you. Your uh, your team has oh. some giveaways that I'm going to be giving away uh, either today or tomorrow, depending on when they come in the mail. <laughs> awesome. so, but we're going to have, I think uh, we're going to have four or five CDs we'll be giving away uh, to our listeners, so we'll make sure that happens. But then they can come and see you live and in person. And I don't know I don't know if you do these kind of things, or you might be like Cary Grant and charge for your autograph, but um, I'm guessing you might even <laughs> sign them if they asked nicely. Oh, usually, I'll tell you this, usually I'm the last one out of the building. So 
I enjoy it, and, uh, you know, I, I love what I do on the platform, but honestly, it's what happens off the platform sure. that means so much more. So I'm sure. looking forward to meeting folks uh, Friday night. Yeah, and we're looking forward to having you with us. All right, so worship. Let's talk about worship, because I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, worship, the word, has just become like this trendy catchphrase that's only referencing about 10 to 15 minutes in our churches on Sunday mornings, right? Like, that's kind of how our mm-hmm. culture looks at worship uh but in your mm-hmm. new book words of worship or wait is it words of worship did i get it right words on words close on enough. worship okay Pretty all close. right all right i'm close <laughs> but in your book you, which is laid out in a devotional format you talk about how while we do worship god in our church services worship itself is so much more than that oh yeah and in fact that's why i started this thing because i was observing this in all these american churches we relegate worship down to the music portion of the service. Mm-hmm. And in most churches, that means 10 to 15 minutes. The problem is, if you like the music, we we, you know, we label it good worship. And if you don't like the songs, we label it bad oh. worship. When, yeah. when reality is, biblically, it has nothing to do with worship. Worship is not music. Mm. Music is an expression of worship, but worship is much deeper than that. It's broader than that. In fact, it encapsulates every avenue and aspect of of your life. And so, you know, can you worship the Lord while you're working out? Yes. Can you worship the Lord at your desk, at your office? Absolutely, yes. How do you do it? Well, worship and service go hand in hand. Mm. And, you know, when you're, when and the two greatest commandments, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what's the best way to display your love for the Lord? By loving others. Yeah. And so, one of the greatest acts of worship is service. Another one of the greatest acts of worship is giving. I mean, you're, you're, what's, what's harder to do? Sing songs real loud in church or open up your wallet and give 10, 12, 15 yeah. percent of your income? Good point, good point. I mean, what's more sacrificial? And so, people in America have this mindset of worship that's very, very narrow and way too small. And mm. so, I just started doing this little. 60-second blurb a day on radio stations around the country, about 350 stations a day, that's just about how to live a practical lifestyle of worship. Well, I did those for about four years. We're still doing them. I still write them. But then we decided, let's put them in print. And so Worthy Publishing put out a a 180-day devotional, and then we're going to back that up with another 180-day devotional, because I've written hundreds of these things. (laughs) But... um, it's uh, it's available, and actually it's available this week for the first time. So I have them at the concert, and it's just a really awesome. practical little devotional. It takes you about a minute and a half to read. Yeah, I, I, I love this. And so so the question is, and maybe this is what maybe this is what your book addresses. I don't know because I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to picking one up uh, on Friday. How do we get the church, how do we get Christians to move beyond this mindset that worship is something that happens on Sunday morning to worship being a way of life? Well, said the key phrase, they have to get their minds out of, set out of Christianity being just a Sunday morning thing. Mm. We have to realize that uh, we've been, when, when you surrender your life to Christ, you don't surrender your life for one hour on a Sunday. You surrender your life, period. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me not a part-time calling. Sure. This is a lifestyle. should absolutely in, in, you know, in, in, encapsulate every 
thing that you do, whether it's mowing the lawn or working out or sitting at your desk, whatever it is, all of it has to do with a lifestyle of worship. And so when people start teaming up on Mondays with the mindset of how can I serve God today, mm. what happens is that becomes a habit and a lifestyle throughout the week. And then suddenly they start showing up at church, not with the mindset of what can I get, but with the mindset of what can I give. Yeah. And suddenly those songs in the worship services take on a whole new meaning. And you won't really care any longer if it's a contemporary chorus that was written this year or if it was an ancient hymn written 300 years ago. Sure. That won't be the issue sure. anymore. It'll be an issue of, hey, I'm giving my heart to the Lord in worship in response and in celebration of what He's done in my heart all throughout the week. Yeah, that's so good. You know, two of my favorite questions to ask myself about personal worship or, or just worship in general or worshiping in churches, what does the way that I worship say about me and what does the way that I mm-hmm. worship say about God? And I think if we take the time to actually think that's about and good. answer those questions, it really mm. can change our mindset. Because if worship is just something that I do for 10 minutes on Sunday, well, what does that say about me? And what does that say about exactly. my God? Like, that's just... Exactly. Yeah. It's your life is wrapped up in you and that your God is way too small. Yep. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. All right. So we're going to take another break. And by break, I mean we're going to listen to another one of Charles's awesome songs. Can I pick this one? I... Yeah. Okay. Sure, you pick it. You All right, pick it. good, because Only Jesus is my favorite of the of your songs. So I want to play Only Jesus, oh, and then we'll come back. Cool. We'll, uh, I've got a few more questions for you, and then we'll get you on your way. I know you're trying to enjoy your vacation here in our great, uh, very warm uh, city. So <laughs> Yes. Oh, and by the way, Crystal, this song features Travis Cottrell, Michael O'Brien, Guy Pinrod, and myself. Yes, it, and you guys together are epic, and I love this song. So mm. we'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. And welcome back. We're wrapping things up here today with Charles Billingsley. He's going to be at Southern Hills Baptist Church at 7 p.m. What is Thursday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. He will be at Southern Hills Baptist Church. Charles, are you excited about being here in Las Vegas? I should have asked you this at the beginning of the show. No, I really, I really am. I've actually only sung in one church in Las Vegas, and I can't even remember the name of it. My good buddy Morris Chapman and I were together at a church uh, several years ago, and so this is—I'm uh, really honored to be here. Yeah, and 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 we are we are delighted to have you with us. Has your family? I know you guys are on vacation. Have you done anything fun yet? Because most people outside of Las mm. Vegas, especially on the East Coast, because I, I came from—I'm from Pennsylvania, so I can say this because I was one mm-hmm. of them. Uh, most people outside of the West Coast don't realize that you can come to Las Vegas and actually have good God-honoring fun here. Like, there's so much oh, to do here, God. even beyond, you know, people just think, oh, Sin City. But it's so much more than that. So have you guys been able oh, to have yeah. some good, godly fun? Well, I'm a huge—I push people to come out here on vacation because I'm like, there's no place on earth with better hotels, better spas, better pools, better restaurants, better shopping, and it's all on one street. <laughs> and then after that, you know, there's all That's kinds so of fun. Like this uh, tonight, uh, we're taking our kids to go zip downtown, and then yep. uh, we're going to go ride the roller coaster in New York, New York. Then we're going to go play golf at MGM. I mean, there's a million things to do. I love this place. There, there are. So, uh, good. I'm glad that you guys mm-hmm. are having a and good you, time. And you don't have to. You don't have to get trapped into all the, the the junk. No. You know? There's still a lot of great stuff. To- yeah, and there are a lot of great people that live here, too. Yes, there is. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I know one of Seth's them. Loving. Yeah. Yes, you are, Crystal Rock. <laughs> All right, so uh, to get back on track here, one of the things that I really love about your music is that it is simple, uh, but it's also profound. You know, you've got you've got some modern hymns and worship songs that seem to stray a little bit from the real message of the gospel. And, and let's just be real here: you end up repeating five words over and over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> until you really don't know what you're even singing about. But with your music, yeah. and that's not—I don't—that's I, not—I wouldn't say that's the prevalent trend, but it does happen. Um, but with your mm-hmm. music, there's still a message. It's like you give a modern feel to timeless truths. Hmm, I like that. So. You know, well, I yeah, go ahead. I to record. Well, I just was going to say, you know, I almost named my music time uh, my uh, my ministry timeless music, and the reason is because I mm. I think in those terms, I want to be able to record songs that twenty years from now people are still listening to. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I want to be relevant, you know, and I want to be where music is today, so that somebody actually listens to it, including my wife. But at the same time, I to be of a timeless message that never gets old, just told in a really creative and cool new way. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, it's a hard balance to find at times, you know? Yeah. But um, I I think we work hard at that. And the main thing I want to do is make sure that I never do songs just for the sake of the song. I want to make sure that the lyrics have some real depth Mm-hmm. Some real power to them because I feel first and foremost called to preach, not to sing. Mm. And so I feel like every song I need to record has to be a basically a sermon set to music. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And so I, that's kind of how I view it. Yeah. And what's awesome about being a, a musical pastor is that is that people are singing your sermons throughout the day every day. You know, it's easy to sit in church and then leave and not remember maybe maybe a few points here and there, especially if you're taking notes. But mm-hmm. if you're not, then you, it's easy to walk out of church and just not really think about or apply that truth to your life. Hopefully we do. But with music, there's something about music that just grabs you and you mm-hmm. end up just thinking about it and singing it. And it makes it really easy to meditate on truth. So I think that's that's awesome. And I noticed that on your mm-hmm. albums... You you always try to include at least one song about the cross. Why is that? Tell us about that. Well, I just feel like if all else fails, make a beeline for the cross no matter what. Because yeah. that's where, you know, hope is found. That's where salvation begins. Of course, that and his resurrection is the essence of the entire hope we have in our heart. So, uh, you know, I... I think, I don't know what it is, Crystal, but I just think that when you sing about two things, the holiness of God and the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us, those two things, I just feel like the Lord anoints those kinds of songs, Mm -hmm. especially with those two subject matters. And so I just tend to gravitate towards songs like that. And of course, you know, you got to have other songs that have to do with other subjects as well, but sure. I always try to have at least one song per record on the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. So what is, you know? what's your, uh, what's your favorite song that you've done? Which, which of all your songs is your favorite? Oh, goodness. It's, well, is I that like asking you to pick a favorite Jesus. child? I, I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I love recording only Jesus uh, with the guys because that was sure. fun. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed recording See You Again with Meredith Andrews on this last record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the great 
songs, I think, I, I don't know, I guess my favorite record is always the last one we did, you know. Sure. But uh, believe it or not, one of the funnest tunes that I think I have right now is called Horizon, written mm. by my buddy Michael Neal down at Prestonwood. And uh, it's a song that just talks about where we are today uh, in a messed up world, but that just over the horizon we're looking forward to today when it comes back to get us. And that's a fun tune, and that's the last song on the right here record so i don't know and then of course there's the big ballads i guess though over the last 25 years if there was a song that stands out as being the song that i sing more than anything else it's probably it as well Mm. yeah that's it's hard to beat it as well i mean that's it, it really is. Yeah. That's just such a great hymn. It is a, it is a fabulous <laughs> hymn. Everybody seems to have a story behind that song. Mm-hmm. The Lord is just anointing that tune. Yeah, that is so true. All right. Mm-hmm. One last question I have to ask you. It could be the most important question of this entire interview. So I'm not oh, sure wow. if you're sitting okay, down. I'm bracing myself. Okay, yes. I need to know. Yeah, I just sat down. Okay, great. Are you related to Barbara Billingsley? Oh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. The answer is... Huge, really. Drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. I'm so sorry. My hopes and, and dreams are shattered. And I'm also not related to Peter Billingsley, who was Messy Marvin and was in The Christmas Story. Ah. Well, we should tell everyone, in case they're they're not maybe as old as we are and know who Barbara Billingsley is. Oh, that's uh, true. You're right. Barbara Billingsley played uh, Mrs. Ward Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver. So, okay, so you're not related to Barbara, but growing up, were you the beaver or were you Wally? I, that, hmm. uh, I was pretty much Wally. You were I, Wally? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I have, I don't know. I, I, I have a few moments of <laughs> craziness, but, you know, I've always been afraid I'd get in trouble. Mm. <laughs> yes. Are you also a firstborn? Because I see where this is going. <laughs> no, I'm a secondborn. Whoa. I'm a lot, I'm, I like to have fun. Oh, but I, stereotype I had shattered. As a child. Yeah, I know, it's weird. But I had ulcers as a child because I was worried uh, I'd get in trouble at school. <laughs> so weird. No, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Yeah, I shouldn't I'm laugh. Not, I'm not near that. I'm not near as worried about that now. Oh, well, that's good. That's I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you've been able to grow out of that. <laughs> all right. So Friday night, we're all going to come down, see you at Southern Hills at 7 p.m. We'll be wearing green. I'm assuming you'll find a green shirt between now and then. Um, so I, look, I better. I, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. And well, we can pick up. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, come on out, everybody. I want to meet you and we'll have a great time. I promise not to be too long or too boring. <laughs> I, if this interview is any indication, I don't think that it would be possible for you to be too boring. <laughs> I, I feel like we got a lot of good stuff going on here. So you can pick up Words of uh, Words on Worship. It's available at all your favorite bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Christian Book, wherever you want to go. Or you can grab one at the concert, 7 p.m., Southern Hills. Come see Charles Billingsley, and I'll be there, too. You can even, I will even shake your hand if you want to. But I understand if you're just there to see Charles. That'll be all right also. Um Charles, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, and I hope that God continues to bless you and your ministry. Thank you, Crystal. I'll see you Friday. All right, sounds good. Stay tuned. We're going to play. Oh, are you still with me, Charles? Yes, I am. All right, we we need to end with another one of your songs, though. 
Which one should it be? Well, shoot, let's do Horizon. Horizon it is. All right, we'll be back. Yes, sir. We'll be back in just a minute. Join us, Southern Hills, 7 p.m. Friday night. Charles Billingsley will be in concert. You do not want to miss it.